Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. As we open the show today, we've just been through the travesty of a Democrat-controlled House of Representatives impeaching President Donald Trump on a strictly party-line vote. In other words, and once again, the Democrats are running roughshod over the Constitution. What on earth is this about? This goes way beyond mere Democrat versus Republican. We need to dig deeper into the root causes, connect the dots, pull the red thread. Joining me to continue the conversation we started a few weeks ago is Diana West, author of The Red Thread, a search for the ideological drivers inside the anti-Trump conspiracy, and also author of American Betrayal, A Secret Assault on Our Nation's Character. Also returning is Frank Gaffney, founder of the Center for Security Policy and vice chairman of the Committee for the Present Danger, China. Diana, Frank, welcome. Uh, Thank you. We're really talking about a a sort of big lie here. Yes. The big lie. The big lie, which goes back a long way. We can actually date it to the 1930s. This is Robert Conquest, the great historian, said the first big lie was the Ukraine terror famine. What could be more relevant today, given the Ukrainian story? Um, And what he meant by that was a lie put over by a government using mass media. So in other words, a big lie is, is only as old as mass media. And we can go back to the 1930s and see that in terms of national radio hookups and, and you know, number of newspapers and so on, a little different from our 24-7 coverage, uh, but blanket coverage nonetheless. The point of it is to manipulate the people. And what was trying to be done at that time was to tell people that nothing was wrong in the Soviet Union, that Stalin was not starving millions of people to death, his political enemies, in his efforts to collectivize, take over farming in the Ukraine and obliterate his political enemies. So this was the big lie, the first big lie, and many governments um, accepted it, including our own, because on the heels of that big lie, Franklin Roosevelt recognized the Soviet Union and this normalized relations with this abnormal regime. So big lies are very powerful, and they are tools of a state well, the thing, the thing, and I want Frank to yeah. weigh in, but, you know, the thing that makes this different, though, is that we've, we've got this big lie, and the media, the mass, you know, the, the mainstream media is totally on board with it. They're promoting it. Democrat Party's promoting it. But because of the Internet and cable and the other radio talk shows, we know the big lie is being told in real time. So we've exactly. got we've got this we've got this 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 orchestration going on at the same time we know it's not true. Mm-hmm. One of the other perpetrators of the big lie, in fact, I think the man who coined the term, was actually Adolf Hitler, in Mein Kampf. And one of the important facets of this, which Diane has sort of touched on here, is the endless repetition of it is what normalizes the lie. It, it may be so outlandish that people wouldn't believe it, but when it's constantly reprised, as has been, for example, the idea that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians and then subsequently with the Ukrainians to try to somehow 
influence our elections. In the case of the Russians in 2016, in the case of Ukraine, for which he's now been impeached, the 2020 election. And the reality is, no matter how often you repeat these lies, no matter who authoritatively is repeating them, whether it's the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, whether it's the director of national intelligence, whether it's the uh, Speaker of the House or the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, it doesn't alter the fact that it is still a lie. Well, except we have 63 million of us who do not believe it. But there's a timeline involved. Right. Probably this. more, and, actually, at well, this point. I at think. this point, I think <laughs> it could be a landslide if we, we get lucky. Uh, but there's a, there's a timeline here. There's a narrative that starts about at the time the, um, the Democrat, we became aware the Democratic National Committee servers got hacked or broken into. And that launched a whole series of, of cover-ups and actions and things like that. You've done a lot of work on this. Yes. What's, uh, what's the, how did all this get started? This is such an important part of the story that has been lost <clears throat> in the big lie that Russia interfered in the 2016 election. The genesis of that big lie is that Russia hacked the DNC to help Donald Trump into the White House. The DNC hack. That's the Democratic National Committee. The of Democratic National Committee, yes. The, 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 this was when we saw the emails come out of the Democratic National Committee that showed that Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee had colluded themselves, colluded in the real sense of the word to rig the primaries against Bernie Sanders. But we only, did we know this at the time, or was this after this the fact when Julian Assange? Okay. Well, yes, this came out at the time of the DNC yeah. convention in July of 2016, which is where we start seeing this notion that <clears throat> Russia was working for Trump. This is how the DNC turned it. At that same point, this is late July 2016, what we now know as the big FBI and counterintelligence investigation into the Trump campaign begins July 31st. This is crossfire hurricane. Crossfire hurricane. July 31st, 2016. The way all of our investigations have proceeded, certainly in the last year or so, has been starting on July 31st, 2016, with crossfire hurricane and indeed the criticisms of the FBI, which we recently see in the FISA report, FISA abuse report by the Inspector General, Michael Horowitz, actually begins with crossfire of hurricane and takes as a given that Russia hacked the DNC. Now, what I would like to take us through a little bit of Well, there, there, there are people involved really here. Because yes. I, I think it's easier, because I've been hearing this for a couple of years now, and it's not my, you know, it's not my specialty. So I kind of glaze over. There's, right. there's crossfire, there's this, there. But there, there, but there's a cast of characters here. Desi, cast Wa of Debbie characters Wasserman here. Schultz was president, was chairman of the DNC. She was correct. And they had, and they had this 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 uh, this meeting, this emergency meeting when the pack happened, and and somebody named Michael Sussman yes. from Perkins Cole was really the leading actor in that because he'd spent uh, 12 years at DOJ doing work on cyber, cyber crimes and yes. stuff like that, and this, then he was the one who took this to the FBI. Yes. Well, what's interesting is there is this event. I will not call it a hack because it has not been proven to have been a hack. We don't know what it was. There was an event at the DNC whereby they realized they lost a lot of inside information, their emails in the very, spring. Very damaging. Very damaging, embarrassing, showing corruption, etc. This would have been, we, according to what we know, 
we seem to think it's in April of 2016, late April, they have an emergency meeting among DNC principals plus this lawyer from Perkins Coie, Michael Sussman. This is where they first start trying to figure out how do we shut this down, who did this, et cetera. These are the questions that were reported on, not, however, who did this. This is not what he wrote to his principals. He did not ask who did this, which suggests they almost may have known. So that aside, we move forward a little bit. And we, by the time this is prepared for the people, the readers, public, it's the Washington Post saying that Russia hacked the DNC. This is June 2016. And you start seeing take shape this, this, this I will say, so far unproven narrative that Russia broke in to the DNC server. So, so let, let, let us put ourselves okay. in, the inner, in the inner sanctum. So you're okay. Sussman, you're Wasserman, you're all these other people. We have a terrible problem here because it's going to be out there that we steered the election to Hillary. Yes, the, the nomination. And we need, we need a cover story. Right. So what's a better or cover? Or a distraction. Distraction. As well as a cover story, we'll ideally. Here. So yeah. let's say this, let's, oh, let's pick some, Russia. Let's, let's see if we can't get people thinking that not only is Russia involved, but that Donald Trump is involved with Russia. Look over there, folks. Look over not there, Not at folks. this problem. And more to the point, and what Diana was just getting to, is, is the extent to which this same lawyer, Michael Sussman, does pull in the FBI and tells them, according to the New yes. York Times, that you know Russia is responsible for this breach, and we need to get that out. And within we, days, the Washington Post is trotting it out. The Washington Post is trotting it out, but also know at the same time there is a genuine conspiracy, if you will, to layer in this same nar narrative about Trump being a Russian puppet that is coming out of the very famous Fusion GPS shop with the steel dossier starting to be written in this period, and the same notion of the very famous Carter Page. The FBI is starting to look at Carter Page in this same time frame. Carter Page, of course, being the, the, the American citizen who was uh, uh, the subject of the FISA application to spy on the Trump campaign that was used to spy yeah. on the Trump campaign. Uh, you're watching The Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Diana West and Frank Gaffney, and we're talking about the events that have led up to uh, the recent impeachment in the House of Representatives of President Donald Trump continue. This is sort of like the real concocted, the, the controlled narrative was being formed with Fusion GPS and Carter Page in the same spring that this unexpected event happens to the DNC. And in the midst of all of this, there's another meeting that takes place at the Trump Tower. And right. You need to explain Absolutely. Ooh, so that was the Trump meetings. Tower meeting with Donald Trump Jr. Yes, and Paul Manafort, Paul Manafort and four so-called Russians. Kushner. And with whom did yes. they meet before they yes. met at the Trump Towers? Yes. Yeah. It's, it, you know, all the of these things. The plot thickens, The plot is say. very thick. And, and <laughs> the same players do keep appearing. And so, yes, it is a good idea to look at it as uh, characters or a cast in this same June. You see, this is why I mentioned the, the, the July 31st date as almost being past the start point of the entire conspiratorial activity. July 31st, everything's done in terms of the intelligence community setup. 
And so if you're only looking at July 31st forward, you're missing all of this really juicy stuff. And, 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 and so why we care about this so-called old news is that this leads up to what the FBI was has been about through this yes. whole process and Comey. And the CIA. And it, you know, it, it brings up this community the intelligence at large. Community. Okay, so the FBI was involved in this, in the story. Yes. From summer of 2016 before the election. Well, they're starting to look at Carter Page in the spring. Okay. And then by the time we get up to see, and Fusion GPS has hired this former British intelligence officer, Christopher Steele, to start pulling the dossier together. And then we see the Trump Tower meeting. And who had hired Fusion GPS? Was that, who, who owned? Well, we don't, the American people finally learn toward the end of 2017 that the Hillary Clinton campaign and again, the DNC working through the law firm Perkins Coie hired Fusion GPS to put this dossier together that would then, just as a good way to think of it, would be laundered into the American government coming from all the different departments and agencies through state, through Department of Justice. In fact, Michael Sussman, this lawyer, important lawyer here, he would be one of the people who brought this information to the counsel, the general counsel of the FBI, James Baker, late in 2016. So you have this dirt, this opposition research being laundered by senior officials at the Justice Department into the FBI, from the State Department into the FBI, from all over official Washington, attempting to essentially elevate opposition research to a point and, and where it could be used to, to, to get surveillance And the reason we believe this would be fertile ground is this is after eight years as Obama's president. And at this mm -hmm. point, he thoroughly staffed these all these departments with Obama and Hillary partisans and it's multi-generational multi, but certainly okay, okay. Yes, well you go all the way long, back to the 30s it's a long time so. coming these people have been replicating themselves for generations but certainly the Obama administration um, replicating you make them it. sound like pod people uh, yes <laughs> there's something please. to that yes Sorry. I heard just the other day yes the, the number of uh, senior executive service personnel that the Obama team put in was like treble yeah. the previous number. So you're right, Bill, that there was an insemination yeah. of large numbers of partisans into the permanent bureaucracy, right. which helps explain true. some of what's been going on of late. But I want to come yeah. back, though, Dinah, because it's so Trump important Tower. to the story, to the yeah. Trump Tower meeting. And you've mentioned Fusion GPS several times. Glenn Simpson. But wasn't Fusion GPS Glenn Simpson party to the pre-meeting yes going into trump tower absolutely Tell about that because and and afterwards too and as I afterwards too so what does that suggest in terms of tradecraft here there's a lot of tradecraft here if if you were looking at this as an espionage operation an espionage a, a counterintelligence officer would would tell you this is a very classic thing whereby the uh one of the principal russians to go to the um trump tower meeting this uh, lady we later find out found out was actually a Russian government informant, essentially working for their equivalent of the Justice Department. Um, Natalia Veselnitskaya is her name. She meets with Glenn Simpson before the Trump Tower meeting, and she meets with him after the Trump Tower meeting. So this is classic tradecraft in terms of a, a hinge, an open and door, an open and shutting of an operation to uh, the, the brief and the and then the, and debrief. the debrief. Right. Um, be that as it may, there are all kinds of connections that that have never come out about the principals at this meeting. 
Now, is there a man behind the curtain, though? You want to hear about Continue. I do want to keep hearing, but I keep going back to you know, the man behind the curtain here, we do not know command and control. We still have these players that need to be linked up, but consider, for example, we know that this is a Hillary Clinton... We need a thorough FBI investigation. Yes, we need... An honest An honest one, because when you... This was supposed to be this moment where Trump, the Trump campaign, was supposed to be receiving dirt, quote-unquote, on Hillary Clinton. Now, think about that in terms... From Russian personnel. From Russia. With ties to the Kremlin. Exactly. And think about how we are just getting another iteration of this in the impeachment supposedly dirt on political opposition from the Ukrainian government. So we see the same thing being Which it tried. turns out involves American personnel and Ukrainians who had ties to the Clinton campaign. To, exactly. And it's the or same. the administration. It's another Barack try. Obama. Yes, yeah. it's another iteration. It's 2.0, but in, basically. In the Trump Ukraine Tower meeting. Ukraine is 2.0 of It's just another, wor- another whack at it, in yeah. my view. In, the, in that meeting, you had four Russians and a, and a British uh, music promoter, quote-unquote, who um, three of whom, I did a, a very big analysis on them, three of the Russians are actually American. They have dual citizenship. Th- they all were hostile to Donald Trump. Some of them admitted in their interviews that they actually voted for Hillary Clinton. And they also, um, three of them have had connections to Russian government intelligence Entities. So I'm thinking about the movie scene. We have Donald Trump. No, we have uh, Julian. Don Jr. Don, Don Jr. We have Paul Manafort. We have four Russians. And we have a music promoter. Right. And they're all in the room. And they all work for a Russian oligarch who's close to Putin. And also Robert De Niro. Business partners with Robert De Niro, who, as you know, is and one great, of Trump's and great, most great fan of Donald Trump. <laughs> one of the most Critic. vile critics, yes, but also friends with Obama. I mean, this the, the connections here are so um, braided. It's like they're all walking around linked, and no one notices. They're all got their arms linked. The, 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 you all know, we're s- noticing, because that's what we've been told to focus on, is this is proof positive that the Trump campaign was colluding with the Russians for the purpose right. of uh, obtaining information that would help them win the election. Well, you don't mean it proof. I would mean it was supposedly proof. It, it wasn't. Is, but consider this how, is the yeah, shiny, the shiny okay. object right. that we want you to focus on because, people, because it yeah. sets the narrative. And what Diane is saying right. is it's a setup. you look it's a at hoax. the personnel, you look at their relationships, and it sure looks as though... This was engineered right. to compromise but, the Trump but, campaign. Now, there's but, another but, but, piece but the, of it okay, on Trump continue. Tower. Just one more, one okay. more, which was that one of the Russians was longtime business partners with a man named Edward Lieberman, an American lawyer, whose wife <coughs> was deputy chief of staff for Bill Clinton in the White House hmm. and also worked for Joseph Biden as press secretary early in her career. She is deceased now. And further, I mean, this is it, it's just such an amazing story. Edward Lieberman is very close to Madeleine Albright, who at this same period over the summer was one of the people at the Cambridge conference where Carter Page, again, you know, this is our, our, our real bright, shiny object that we need to track here. Carter Page was being encouraged by Madeleine Albright to speak out, in other words, to say something as an audience member, almost as if to make attention that someone affiliated with the Trump campaign was, was you know, involved in this particular um, event. It, the connections here between Albright, Clinton, Russia 
are, are, are right there before us, and yet we are supposed to interpret it as Russians helping Trump when the whole room was as hostile to Trump as the Democratic House. Could I just make one other point? It's, it, it, You're here it, to make it, as many it, points it needs, as you <laughs> It needs to be said someplace in this yeah. mix that the evidence of Hillary Clinton's involvement with Putin and the Russians on a massive scale, Donna talked about this many times, um, the Uranium One caper is, of course, the most prominent of these stories where she and her Clinton Foundation made immense amounts of money by selling off to the Russians through the processes that she helped manage in the government an enormous amount of our uranium. But also, a word from our sponsor. You're watching The Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Frank Gaffney and Diana West, and we're digging into the sordid roots of all the events that led up to the recent impeachment in the House, Donald Trump. And the second of these capers, which hasn't gotten nearly as much attention, but to my way of thinking is even more odious, is something called Skolkovo, mm. which was a project by which Hillary Clinton directed funds to the Clinton Foundation from companies that she was making it permissible to sell high technology to Vladimir Putin because he wanted his own Silicon Valley. And some of that technology was clearly dual use, including hypersonic missile technology, which is now being aimed at us right. by the Russians. So the, the narrative that we have been fed, that Donald Trump was the candidate that the Russians favored, is, I believe, on Absolute. the face of it, yeah. absurd when they owned Hillary Clinton. They had her compromised six ways from Sunday, and they knew that they could do business with her. Why on earth would they prefer Donald Trump? And yet that story, which tucks importantly right. into the one Diana's telling here about the DNC and, and the penetration and so on, is hardly ever mentioned, let alone made the centerpiece of the kind of FBI investigation that, that should is have not been going we should on. Have. Right. Well, well, coming back to your timeline, yeah. then this has all happened, and then at some point, I guess in July 5th, 2016, Comey comes out and exonerates Hillary right. Clinton, saying, uh, you know, no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case, and he, right. and he does that. Now, was Nothing this, to see here, folks. What's his motivation now that we know? Let's fast forward to where he, what we know about him now. What was his motivation then, do you think? He wants Hillary Clinton to win the election. Okay. Clearly. Because a lot of people thought it hurt Hillary. Well, it, it was a way to make that particular... It was the least hurtful thing that he okay. could do hurtful under the circumstances yeah, she'd been where indicted, she, was, she yeah. was so clearly yeah. violating the law with her okay. emails. Then, then, then shortly thereafter, Seth Rich, who was the DNC voter expansion data director, was murdered. Yes, July 10. Well, this is another piece of the story that no one wants to investigate. Now, it is, it is a theoretical piece of it, but the, the, the circumstantial evidence is quite overwhelming that he is a very strong candidate for having been the DNC official who literally downloaded these emails and passed them on to WikiLeaks. From inside which is the, 
the vehicle. No, this is the part I'm unclear about. Yeah. It was it was hacked, but when no, did the no, email? No, no, don't use the word hack. Okay. We don't know for sure. Oh, hack would be happened. an attack on from the outside. Okay, so, so we're oh, oh, how tell did, them about Bill. When yeah. when do we think Julian Assange acquired these? Uh, well, he released them in about the third week of July. So sometime before the third week of July, WikiLeaks comes into possession. Just so this is this is this is after this just is, before this is the Democratic National Convention. Yes, they are released. The, the the DNC emails are released after the death of Seth Rich. Um, that's very common in terms of WikiLeaks doesn't just release things without going through things. They're, they they have a hundred percent authenticity rate. They have never had to re retract or uh, in any way correct anything they've ever released. Everything is authentic, well, well, which I'm, is I'm, I'm way better than... I'm looking at people who paid the price yeah. for wandering into this world, and Seth Rich definitely... Seth Rich, Julian Assange. But then Julian Assange, I've been... I've, I have no quite know what to think about him. He mm. comes across as a hero here, and he, he he's is, now languishing he is, in prison. Yes. He's he, paying he his price. He is a hero, and he is, a, he is languishing in prison um, for all of this time, and essentially being destroyed by the solitary confinement and other... Uh, the the UN Rapporteur on Torture calls it torture. That's Julian Assange has been put through in his various incarcerations, including now at Belmarsh, which is a maximum security prison with lots of terrorists and so on. Um, right now, the United States is trying to extradite him to essentially prosecute him for journalism, a publisher who published this information, all of it true. Um, this is this is you know a, a one of these one of these parts of the story that also is lost. But for our purposes here, it is important to understand that whatever you think of Julian Assange or whatever comes to be known about Julian Assange, he is one of the primary witnesses to the events of 2016 who has never been brought before any committee or interviewed even far away in London you know, by video by the House committee, either under Devin Nunes or Adam Schiff by the Mueller committee by any investigative body to find out how he came into possession of these emails. Well, the reason we want to get into this yeah. maybe ancient history, it's not, it's just three years ago, right. but it bears on the intelligence community role exactly. in this. Exactly. absolutely does. I, I, you've, you've written that Seymour Hersh said that uh, the Trump-Russia dis disinformation campaign was started by uh, Brennan. Brennan. That was his uh, take on it. And he has very good And where sources. was Brennan at the time? Was he CIA a C director. So he was in the CIA when he started this Trump... Dis Absolutely. Dis and as Seymour Hersh, was, I don't just, know... As just a, to be as, clear, Bill, John Brennan was a Democratic political operative, yeah. as well as somebody who had worked in the Central Intelligence Agency. In the previous role, before he went to the CIA, he was Barack Obama's you know, national, excuse me, uh, Homeland Security Advisor. So he was very close to the president, and he was an obvious candidate to run an operation like this that was aimed at making Donald Trump a Russian dupe, making him a co-conspirator with the Russians in influencing our election. And I want, I want to double back to this because it's so important. Yeah. What... What we have heard is that the information that was leaked from the DNC was actually obtained not from an outside source that hacked into the server, because according to William Binney, an old NSA hand, 
the download times were sufficiently short that it made much more sense that it was simply downloaded by a thumb drive from inside okay, the this DNC is, this itself. This is why you're objecting to me use It wasn't act. It was just right. downloaded. That's what, that's what that's William what Beatty and a number okay. of intelligence An inside professionals job. have determined so do doing Seth, experiments. Do we think Seth Rich Maybe it down? was Seth Rich. Maybe it was Seth Rich. Julian Assange was interviewed in August uh, by Dutch TV, and you can find the interview very easily online still. Yeah. And he all but um, names Seth Rich as the source. He discusses the murder of this young man in Washington, Seth Rich, and n says that WikiLeaks has put forward a $20,000 reward for information leading to the capture of his assassins or murderers. And the, 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 um, the anchor who's interviewing him, the Dutch anchor, says, wait a minute, are you saying that, that Seth Rich was your source? And Julian Assange says, well, we don't. WikiLeaks does not uh, reveal the names of our sources. But he keeps talking about them and, and how difficult it is for sources to... Um, uh, you know, how dangerous, how dangerous it is for, for so, sources. So we had the CIA Plus, engaged in this. We had the FBI engaged. And in, in late July, yes. um, they opened their, their investigation. They called Crossfire Hurricane. And so we've Before got... Before we go there, can I just make one other point? At, at the risk of introducing yet another conspiracy... Well, I'm trying to get a line it. on this thing. Well, well human, but, there's but, so but many layers build, leading up to it. it. Yeah. Okay, building up all to, right. We, we want to go to Crossfire next. But before we do... There's another candidate for the inside job, and that is an outfit uh, known informally as the Awan Brothers. True. Pakistani nationals who at the time were working for, among others, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, providing IT services to about 40 members of Congress and using, among other things, servers in Pakistan to handle some of the information they were obtaining from congressional sources. Mm -hmm. Bill, this is worthy of a whole other show by itself because it's another of these stories. And, and, that Al, has and been Pakistan is such been, a great ally of the United States. Right, a great been, ally. that's yeah. been essentially smothered. But, the, the but main, they had, they had yeah. the passwords for Debbie right. Wasserman Schultz's computers. People at the DNC, when they wanted to get at her emails, they had to go to um, Iman Awan, to get the but, passwords, but, but, which, but, means, which means we've got another possible explanation for how this was an inside job, not but, a Russian But I, I want to develop the storyline in terms of who, you know, was... was the, speaking broadly, we're talking about things that should be investigated by the intelligence community. Right. And Specifically the intelligence the community was, was not merely, not, not nearly not even investigating... They, they were, were suppressing it. Well, Part of the problem. They were I suppressing it. So, so that's the thesis. That becomes that we, the thesis. And that, that becomes relevant to what's happening now with Ukraine absolutely. because Trump tried to go outside, outside of the intelligence right. community to find out what really and happened the in Ukraine. Exactly. And the Justice Department. See, the thing is here, I think you hit on something in the sense that you look at who is essentially suppressing investigations into these possible explanations for the, um, the, the reveal of the DNC. And of course, later, John Podesta's d emails also, which start dropping from, through WikiLeaks well, in John, October. John Podesta's were about steering the election to Hillary and away from Bernie. It was about all or kinds everything. of okay. things. Yeah, it was very right. grossly embarrassing, you know, very helpful. Girl senior, friends, uh, yeah. the Democratic senior, operative, yeah. longtime friend and, you know, chief of staff to the Clinton sure. administration. Yeah. But you, you also, you have that the. I think one of the, the 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 really important things for people to understand because love is confusing, is the number of living witnesses, 
who should be invest who should be just you know interviewed to find out what they know about this. There's also a former uh, British ambassador to Uzbekistan by the name of Craig Murray, who has given interviews about how it was that he was in Washington in the summer of 2016, I believe September, uh, uh, at a conference where he became a a a, a conduit to WikiLeaks. He has an affiliate or has some association with with WikiLeaks, and that he received from an American information that WikiLeaks later released, which, judging by his timeline, I would say may have been the Podesta emails. I'm not certain. But he discussed the two Americans as having been the people who passed to WikiLeaks the information that became this, this scandal. Um, he has never been interviewed by any of these investigative bodies. Then we get to the people who determined that it was Russia. And this gets, takes us to CrowdStrike. Right. which is the name of the company that Michael Sussman of Perkins Coie and the DNC lawyer called in to make this report. Clean it up. And, and clean it up literally. Clean up meaning by, whitewash. Well, get, replace all okay. of the computer equipment. Okay. Right. So this is a very get important point. Get rid of point. the evidence. So you yeah. have the DNC people basically saying, oh, my gosh, we've had this terrible event Let's not call the FBI. Let's call our fixer who brings in CrowdStrike. And it's important to know that CrowdStrike is a company um, that is, is founded by um, a protege of Robert Mueller by the name of Sean Henry, another one of these cyber experts. And at the FBI. At the FBI. director. Yes, very high former. ranking. And a Russian-born, Soviet-born man by the name of Dmitry Aparovich, affiliated with the Atlantic Council, which is one of these sort of New World Order organizations, very anti-Trump, et cetera, in Washington. And who Hillary. had also been entrusted with very high-level clearances yes. and access very by the high Obama level. administration. So you have, and here's the kicker, Bill. These guys are charged with getting rid of the evidence, and by virtue, I think, primarily of Sean Henry's prominence and standing within the FBI, when it was supposed to do the investigation, guess what happened? The FBI was told, oh, you know, you don't need to look at the actual right. servers. CrowdStrike's got that. Yeah. And I can't believe it, Bill. And, and as the, long as I've been FBI in Washington, I can't believe the FBI said, no problem. But that's when you start they thinking didn't the do fix this is really in. Deep dive themselves, right. they and took they were the fine word with of these it. characters. And so when you look at all of the the supposedly authoritative government entities that are supposed to be watching over this stuff, one by one, except this, you realize how many are really in the tank on this what I call conspiracy against President Trump. But here's another angle to this: the number of agencies that actually bought this was far smaller than the number we were told about, which right. goes to your question about the intelligence community. There are 17 agencies in the federal intelligence community. And we were told by Speaker, I guess at the time, Minority Leader, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, no, it was Hillary Clinton. Excuse me, Hillary Clinton. In a That's debate. Right. In the debate with Donald Trump, she says all 17 agencies of the intelligence community say it was a Russian hack. Right. And you know who actually is the source of this? John Brennan. John Brennan handpicked a couple of analysts, 
trusted analysts who would do his bidding. And they came up with the answer that it was the Russians, not 17 agencies, not unanimous. You're watching The Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Diana West and Frank Gaffney, uh, truth tellers both, telling me, just diving into what happened back in 2016 and why that matters now with uh, what's happened Absolutely. in Ukraine. Well, it, it really matters because when you actually get right down to it, but, you see crowd... Well, but, but let, me, yeah. let me see if I can't frame it okay. in a way that I'm thinking. Because, yeah. you know, you look at the conventional pushback. Uh, here's an article somebody wrote, uh, Michael Anton, The Empire Strike Back, the effort to impeach President Trump is really about, and it talks about really sort of the view that the, there's the deep state that just wants to preserve its power, and that's been, that's that's, been another narrative. Yeah. But your narrative is Mine's different. More, yeah. more sinister, yeah. which is Much. that it's the intelligence agencies which have been involved in these cover-ups, refuse to investigate things which should have been investigated. And by Trump calling you, the president of Ukraine and saying, I can't find out, in effect, I can't find out, I'll, I'll do the paraphrase, I'll do Dan Adam Schiff thing. <laughs> right. I can't, I can't figure it. out what's going on. My people won't With tell me. Strike. My people yeah. won't tell me. Yeah. Well, your people find out. Yeah. So it wasn't really about the Bidens so much as it's finding out what, as Trump would put it, what the hell's going on. Right. And the first question was about CrowdStrike, CrowdStrike and the server. This company that we now know was deeply involved in the cover-up about right. what actually happened with the DNC. So what you have, because we talked originally about how it was that this unexpected breach of the DNC was layered into the whole Russia hoax. And here you see, this is for me, is the absolute screaming headline of, of all of this. You get the Steele dossier, which was really supposed to be the vehicle of the, of the Russian collusion hoax. And this CrowdStrike redacted draft. We find out through the Roger Stone uh, case, it wasn't even a final report that the FBI accepted. It was redacted. CrowdStrike redacted it before it gave to the FBI. To say draft. nothing of actually looking at the servers. Right. They just took, they just took a the redacted report. report that was a draft. Right. So, I mean, they, so these two documents... There's some, like no, 25 pages that were completely redacted? I, I anyway, couldn't say, I, I but, thought, thought but basically that, you've uh, got these two completely untrustworthy documents, to say the least, become the basis of every single government investigation to go forward from that moment forward. So you have that with the, the claim that the 17 agencies, uh, uh, you know, said it was Russian interference. You have it with the so-called scope memo, which Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, wrote for Robert Mueller. It, it was based his on one or two of these. For his investigation. The, the Mueller report itself, the indictment of the uh, Russian military officers that Mueller put forward during the investigation, all of these things, court cases that have since come down, indeed the FISA uh, abuse IG report too, they all are rest on one or both of these two fraudulent, essentially DNC, Hillary Clinton paid for documents, CrowdStrike and the Steele dossier. So our entire history right now is being rewritten based upon utter fraudulent information. One of your real strengths yeah. is the way you connect the dots. How did you how did you conclude the connections between all the other documents and the source document? Was it original research? Was I mean what what well, uh, it was how do we know what we know? Well, I I I it was that's a really interesting question. I've been watching this particular story for so long that I've learned to recognize 
how it is being discussed and how it is being enshrined in these official documents. When you see anyone talk about Russian interference in the election, you, you can peel it back and find CrowdStrike, you can peel it back and find Steele dossier. And sure enough, with some of these various documents, there have been confirmation by um, the principals themselves, Clapper, Brennan, for a while, they were arguing about who, Comey, they were arguing about who actually used this or asked this for the Steele dossier to be used in their very pivotal assessment of January 2017. So some of it comes from, you know, that kind of confirmation. Others, you just see that in the footnote, um, Devin Nunes was able to look at the Mueller report, for example, a certain paragraph where he says, well, this tells me everything I need to know. The um, Steele dossier, uh, dossier was used in the scope memo. So in other words, I pulled together all of these various open um, resources to uh, stitch it together. And then you start seeing the language that's being used. Um, I believe Mueller talked about the systematic Russian interference. And then you see William Barr, the attorney general, thanking Mueller for his wonderful work into Russian interference. You realize, aha, we're well, still well, well, stuck to Well, both sides this. seem to yeah. buy the story of Russian yes. interference. The Republicans yes. haven't challenged that. No, they have not. That's Barr hasn't challenged Disturbing it. That's been the great frustration. Yes, and I think I think it, it is something to consider when when people have great high hopes for what William Barr will finally uh, produce. If you don't open this, what we're talking about, up to sunlight, you are going to preserve the the essence of what delegitimizes Trump's candidacy, election, and presidency. Mm -hmm. That it was somehow perverted by Russian involvement, and this to me shows. That you Whether are, he colluded or not, it still right. was run it by the Russians. Yes, and that it also makes <laughs> Trump supporters into essentially Russian bots. And this can be quite dangerous if you go down the road toward any sort of skirmish or hot war involving America and Russia. Who is trustworthy? The people who were put in power by, by Russia? No, it's the left, who has never in its history been critical of the Kremlin. I mean, this is one of these great flipperoos here that yeah. you have to kind of also factor in. But it's a damaging big lie, and it's ultimately the biggest lie of all, even more than just the little pieces of it um, attached to CrowdStrike or Julian Assange or this or that. It's this notion that Russia installed Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And when you see who, who doesn't want to open it up, who doesn't want to interview Benny or Assange or look at what happened, you have to suspect that they are in and of the swamp and they are part of the movement to prevent Trump from being successful and reelected and supported. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd say that about the Republicans so much, but the Republicans have simply gone along with this narrative to such a degree that the big lie has again been further reinforced and affirmed, and they're now operating on the basis of it, as Diana says. But we do need they're to... They're manipulated, too. Well, well, the FBI has operated with an assumption of innocence and, and trustworthiness I mean, even though it started with J. Edgar Hoover, who was hardly either one of those, but uh, he had his merits. He had his strengths, I'm sure. Yeah. But maybe he's maybe, been demonized you, you, too. You could read. You could probably change my mind <laughs> on J. Edgar Hoover too. Anti-communist. <laughs> but but I guess the thing that's sort of the paradigm shift here is that if you think the FBI are the good guys and are just a few bad guys, Page and Strong and things like that, but everybody else is fine and they're doing the bidding of the American people you feel pretty good. But now we're seeing 10, 15, 20, 25 people in the FBI have all been reassigned at, at high levels. And so... Or fired. And or so it, it, the scary thing is, you know, you no longer trust the FBI. Right. It is scary. And you it haven't trusted scary. them for a while. 
Well, it's, you know, when you start seeing And how deep does, does this go? Right. 70,000 people in the FBI or some big number like that? Well, it's a big number. And you, you when you start realizing that domestic political opposition is now coming under surveillance by these powerful, powerful entities, and, and you know, given what we know about every American coming under surveillance in terms of our electronic communications being preserved, logged, you know, it, it's, it's horrifying. Our, Unmasking. Our, too. The unmasking. I mean, this is this is these are the trappings of the surveillance state that we think of when we think of East Germany and and the Stasi. But Bill, that's what makes so alarming the leitmotif of the red thread. What Diana has developed and what we talked a little bit about the last time is that ideological component. Right. I don't think the institutions themselves are necessarily hopelessly corrupt. There have been very serious problems, though, but there are people at the top of these agencies, right. or have been, who have, they're imbued with this big lie, you know, sort of uh, practice because they're adherence to one form or another of that sort of totalitarian revolutionary program. That's the crux of this. You're watching the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Diana West and Frank Gaffney, and we're talking about... Uh, the ideological roots of uh, what's going on uh, today in Washington with the impeachment and basically everything else. That, that ism, that, that ideological piece is interesting, though, because, you know, we talked about when we got together last time, you say Marx yeah. is communist. You, you seem to be such a, you know, it's like it's the 30s and those, those commie yeah. reds and stuff like that. You get, you get marginalized. But the isms... You know, there's Islamism, there's nihilism, there's socialism, communism, maybe even environmentalism. If you look sure. at the political agenda, of course, totalitarianism. But the, but, but, the, but, the, but the capturing ism yeah. is totalitarianism. Right? Yeah. Is that your thesis? Yes, anti-democratic, anti-small d democratic, anti-constitutional. And there's one piece of it I think it's important to think of when we look at the entities like FBI or or even CIA. Think of how the old-fashioned communist front works. It is filled with with wonderful, innocent, well-meaning people who are the majority of the members who are steered by hardened operatives who are using them as their front. I mean, that is the essence of what a front is. So in other words, the ideological drivers and, 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 and people don't have to be very many in order to turn in an, an organization to their, um, their, their agenda. And I think that's an important thing to think about when we're, we're you know, um, you know, talking about the FBI or the Congress or the the Republicans or or Democrats, lots of people can be manipulated, and it goes back to our discussion even of the big lie. Right. But there is also sort of the the mechanism by which these things are weaponized, and it is very often a tight uh, command and control group, a special operation, a special group. And I think what we've seen with some of the revelations about FBI. There is, there is. They they talk about it in some of the texts, the secret society. Mm -hmm. There is a special group that may be share in these uh, beliefs in the FBI or in probably all these entities. But yes, I think Agent Strzok have talked about secret society in their texts. It, putting an innocent, put an innocent gloss on this. Let's say these are purely political differences, and these people are globalists, and they don't believe in nationalism, and you know they want to be. It's a one-world philosophy. They're sure. not necessarily totalitarians, they just believe in this idealism of one world, world without borders, all that sort of thing. And Well, lots of totalitarians 
believe in that. Okay, and well, then they I'm, call I'm, them useful idiots. Well, then so they go, a, they, but then they go the in the belief. electoral process. I mean, if they're normal Americans who believe these things, they take it to the people. They don't spy on the political opposition. That's where I think we can we can make this judgment that they are totalitarians because they are using the the tools of the state, the weapons of the state against citizens who. Mm-hmm have rights. And when you think about a James Comey, who not only was FBI director, but number two at the Justice Department, mm. perverting the rights of American citizens, it, it is truly frightening. And I think totalitarian is something we should definitely consider as an app label, not just Americans who have a belief about open borders or, or distribution of wealth and want to take it to a vote. Amen. So... We also have this phenomena where these people want to fundamentally transform America. Exactly. And we have yeah. presidential candidates who want to fundamentally transform yeah. it. We have Obama, obviously, and then we we now have Warren and uh, and, and Sanders. Best, yeah. uh, but th- that one presidential candidate who actually, frankly, spoke of that as being what was going to happen on his watch had eight years to act on it. Mm-hmm. This is the crux of this, Bill. We're talking about people that he entrusted with these responsibilities. There's evidence as well, it should be said, that he was personally briefed on what was going on here. If not actually managing it or overseeing it uh, day to day, he was Susan Rice, for heaven's sakes. His national security advisor writes a sort of cover your butt memo to herself (laughs) on inauguration day, saying the president was fully briefed on all of this. This is the sort of thing, and I, I, I just want to salute you for taking the time and using this platform to actually allow these kinds of facts well, to be presented. I, I would like to this find out what's really happening yes, in this country. And exactly. you see that you see you see these events and you think, who's behind this? Right. What are the drivers? Well, you know, who you know, benefits? We, we talked about some yeah. of that we time, timeline, but who, who benefits? benefits? Well, who benefits? Certainly our enemies do in Russia and China. Um, and the revolution, Certainly, you know, the revolution, the, the, the revolution. going to be the counter-revolutionary yeah. was going to be stopped, as Diana put it, was very much in the interest of the revolutionaries, well, well, you know, there's including a, Obama and his team. Well, there's a connection here because you know a lot of people in the conservative movement used to talk about well, there's social conservatives and their national security, national defense securities, and then economic um, um, conservatives. conservatives, and that's all merged now. That's all become one thing. You don't have an enemy that's China that you're fighting apart from uh, outside the borders. They've got people inside the United States. You're detailing what's happened with Russia. Islam has done many of the same things. So it's what you guys have called the enemy enemy within. Subversion. And in each of these, the idea is is to actually bring such down. a nice smile. And <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but the, you know it's it's um, it's a lot. It's a it's a lot to take in. It really is. And Trump understands this. I think he does. Trump is Trump is in in the terms we're talking about is sort of the true counter revolutionary. Yes, he, he is. is, and therefore a great threat. He is he the mortal threat. He had to be threat. stopped. Yeah. And anything you know, the ends justify the means. Anything that was necessary to stop Donald Trump, first when he was a candidate, then when he was transitioning to the White House, and even once he became the president of the United States, this enterprise had to stop him. And I think Diana deserves immense credit as well Well, for helping connect the dots on who was involved. As usual, we've covered about 20% of what I've got on my sketch pad here, (laughs) so we're going to have to continue at some point. But 
we're, we're, we're just after the House impeaching Trump. We know that's not getting out of office. That requires a Senate vote. Presumably it goes to the Senate, doesn't go. How do you see this playing out? It will be a sort of Damocles, I guess, over the election year, as, as it stands at this point, with Nancy Pelosi um, not you know, sure of how she's going to advance it. Um, I think that they— do you, do you think Trump survives? I think if he, if he literally and physically survives, I think he survives politically. I'm mm -hmm. worried about him. You know, it's mm -hmm. a difficult thing what he's undergoing. I think that we, we probably don't think enough about his own um, suffering under this kind of uh, excruciating pressure. Um, but I think he's about the strongest um, man to emerge on the national stage that I've ever seen. Ever. Yeah. And uh, the courage is incredible. So, could, could I that, just add, yeah. Bill, that, that the, the question probably is, what's 3.0? What's what's four point yeah. What what's the next? We had play? Russia. We had Mueller. We've had Ukraine. Right. We've had what, impeachment. What are we going to see next in terms yeah. of the revolutionaries trying to undermine him? We've heard some of them talking about continuing to new impeach. impeachments. Yeah. In they don't get him this the time. Next they'll, election. they'll just I try mean, next administration. One. Yeah. And in the end, this is all I believe about trying to prevent him from winning the presidency. They didn't expect to get him out of office. This is damaging him. This is trying to undermine his support. This is trying to discredit him. Yeah. And I think this story and what makes talking about it so vital is if the fact's out, I think the American people are going to understand that would be a terrible miscarriage of justice and deny them probably the only hope we have in this country for a future that isn't going to be dominated by one or the other of these isms. So to repeat what I think is one of our conclusions, the threat was that Trump, with the Ukraine engagement, with the phone call, was circumventing the intelligent communities to get to the bottom yeah. of what had really happened, and going all the way back to the DNC server and everything. The he setup. Was, he was trying. Yeah, the and original setup. Had to so be had had he had he continued down that path and worked with the Ukraine to find out about these things, there would have been a lot of bad stuff that came out. Therefore, the impeachment. Perhaps, perhaps I think I think also there's another piece of this that we haven't mentioned, which has to do with Trump still has his hands on all of the secrets this government has, the swamp has, and I think in some ways that's his greatest power over them if he chooses to execute. At this point, we have not seen releases on these various documents. He gave that power to William Barr, who has not exercised it yet, but Trump, I imagine, still has it. That, I think, is what they're really afraid of and trying to trying to figure out a way to get out. So, need to. so whether Barr buys into the Russian collusion or not is relevant. As long as he takes this information, releases does something it. with it, then there's releases a reason it. for hope if he, he, he releases it. That's releases the line of action. Yes. And John Durham pursues the prosecutorial side as well. But they can reinforce one another. If yeah. that information is out, I think it will make Diana less okay. skeptical than right. Yes, well, it would. <laughs> <laughs> it would very much All so. right. Well, Frank, Diana, thank you. Fascinating. Thank um, you. That's it for now, unfortunately. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you back on the next Bill Walton Show. Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes.